Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, man, how'd you like like a $20,000 raise? We can help you do that at SaveWithConrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out our reviews at ConradReviews.com. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. We've won the number one Best in Business Award many, many times, and we just got a great five-star review. That's uh, from Jimmy E. He says, my wife and I just closed on our refinance after working with Diane and Steven. What a great experience. We closed within a month and added about $1,000 of monthly cash flow. Thank you. They were great. And who would have thought a trip to first family mortgage and ad free shows booth at Starcast five in Nashville would have led to this LOL. Thank you. Now, thank you, Jimmy, for believing in us. I know it's crazy. You're listening to a wrestling podcast and you're going to save a thousand dollars a month. Now think about that. Add that up over the course of a year. That's over $12,000 a year. You're going to save now. How much money pre-tax would you have to earn to net $12,000? That's about 20 grand, right? And think about that. You would have had to work for that money, pay taxes on it, and then just give it away. Come on, man. Keep more of your own money. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30 year loan, you've got a second mortgage, you've got credit card debt, you've got a car payment. What are you doing? I can show you how to keep more of your own money, get a lower monthly payment and get out of debt faster. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save up to a thousand bucks a month. Just like Jimmy, find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and how's this for starters? No house payments for two months. That's right. A little fall break from house payments. Sounds good to me. Find out how much money you can save at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. One more time, savewithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little bit about adfreeshows.com. People often ask me, what exactly is adfreeshows all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not only do you get early ad-free access to all of my podcasts starting at just $9, but you also get many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts like Click This with Kevin Nash, Gentleman Villain with William Regal, Oh You Didn't Know with Brian James, and others for, yes, still just $9 a month. That's 14 podcasts in total every single week early with no ads. That's like 20 cents an episode. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or through your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? 
Want some more cheese on that Whopper? AdFreeShows.com has literally tens of thousands of hours worth of bonus content, including fantastically popular series like Current Fires Back, Idle Chase, and Strictly Business. And I don't know why this is a thing, but there's even more than 40 Ask Conrad episodes waiting for you at AdFreeShows.com. We've got monthly Zoom chats with all the podcast hosts, live watch-alongs with wrestling legends, and more. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered. That's adfreeshows.com. It's the best value in wrestling today. Check it out right now. Adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Woo Wings, legendary flavors, world championship wings. Woo! Woo Wings. Yeah. Woo woo. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, buddy. It feels like a real fall day here, man. It's kind of overcast and only about 48 degrees and starting to feel the fall coming in. It's awesome. Dude, I, uh, I see you rocking your flannel. How about you? You're, you're ready for real. But, you know, I'm glad you noticed what I'm wearing. Uh, thank you. I, lo- I love this flannel shirt. Um. But you have not said anything about what I've done with my studio slash office. I've been improving upon it a little bit at a time. I see the desk. I've got, let, me, let me help you out here since you didn't notice anything last time. But I've got a brand new desk. Yeah, I see that. I've got an L-shaped desk, so I have plenty of room. Did you make it? No. Okay. <laughs> I was. I mean, Garrett was there, and I thought, hey, you're a couple of handy motherfuckers. Maybe y'all made I'm it. I'm not handy at all. Are you okay. kidding? Okay. I'm not allowed. The only tool I'm allowed to touch is a hammer. Okay. Like, if, if I can fix something with a hammer, I'm allowed to work on it. If it takes any other tool other than a hammer, I'm not allowed to touch it. I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like Garrett is a little more inclined, though. No, Garrett, no, Garrett. Garrett can go build a house all by himself. Yes. I mean, he's, he, he could, he can do any, I mean, he can plumb a house. He could probably do electrical. He could figure it out. Uh, he does all that crap. I don't do any of it, but I got a new desk. I got, you never did mention my Buffalo bill, Cody beer. That's a, that thing lights up. Well, it's light, a neon sign. light it up. No, it's too bright. It'll oh. blow. I'll, I'll show you just so you see. Okay. I got a house so eric is behind us now tinkering with his electrical outlet i know this is fascinating podcasting but i want to see this light. oh wow okay 
See, Eric, I thought it was the thing below. Like, what's the dude on the horse over there? I thought that was what it was. Oh, you want to see that too? Well, that's that'll just get too bright. I gotta unplug this. this looks, kind of looks like a whorehouse in here, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you said it, not me. I like that we're doing this without headphones too. Like you, you got the mo- the most perfect little podcast studio out there. One day I'm going to get an invite out there and I'm going to see this in person. Well, you're invited anytime. <laughs> you, 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 my house is your house in more ways than one. Well, I, I can't wait to fart in your couch. Sometimes <laughs> I wouldn't so. have this house if it wasn't free. <laughs> <laughs> Save with Conrad.com little cheap plug. Hey man, I'm excited to be here with you today because I can tell you're in a good mood. And we're going to be talking about a really fun topic in Dean Malenko. But before we do, I want to heap a little praise your way. And boy, this has nothing to do with anything, but not too terribly long ago, you made mention of a TV show that you and the wife enjoyed. And, uh, my wife and I decided, Hey, we need something new to watch. And we started it and boy, we're just binging it. We absolutely love it. Thanks for the recommendation for animal kingdom. What a great show that is. Isn't that an awesome show? Yeah. It's been That's really one of those fun. shows when it ended, we saw the final episode. It's like. I felt like we were saying goodbye to family and friends that we'd never see again. You know, it's just like, that's, that's how much we love that show. I don't want to give any spoilers, uh, cause I'm sure a lot of people will start it, but as characters started to go by the wayside, I was like, what, what are they going to do now? And, uh, they did a really good job with that. I think the storytelling has been well done. A uh, little shout out to our friends over at TNT. I think that was a TNT show, right, dude? That was a TNT original. Indeed it was. I mean, I didn't, the only thing I've watched on TNT for as long as I can remember was AW, And now I find this thing after the fact, but my goodness, what a great show. So if you're looking for something to binge, I think it's on Amazon now. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fantastic show and I wouldn't have even known about it had you not brought it up. So thanks for the, uh, thanks for the plug. Absolutely. And there's a lot of shows like that. Uh, Lori and I just, uh, actually our daughter, Montana recommended it. Uh, it's called Barry. Okay. And it's, it's, it's a little quirky, but it's so Oh, wait, is good. this the HBO show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Fantastic. B-A-R-R-Y. Yep. Um, if you enjoyed Dexter and wish it was a comedy, maybe you'd like Barry. It's a fun show. Yeah, it's, and I guess that's what's referred to as a dark comedy because yes. you know, it's pretty dark. But And the other one that we really dig is Killing Eve. I haven't Just seen that, that one. one up. I haven't seen that one. Oh man, some great character work in that movie or in that series. Well, we enjoy talking about the, uh, the stories of professional wrestling and, uh, Eric, I got to tell you, I'm starting to get a ton of feedback. Uh, it wasn't immediate, but I've been overwhelmed with feedback in the last few days from folks who gave our Lucha show a try and man, they're all about it. Uh, I I've got a lot of kudos from folks who are Lucha fans who thought that we sort of hit the nail on the head. Uh, and some rather influential people in the business and some big time podcasters reach out to say, Hey man, that was my favorite episode of 83 weeks in a long time. It was totally different for us, but I got great feedback. What'd you get about our Lucha show last week? I, I got a lot of the same feedback that you did and it's fun. You know, it's fun diving into something a little bit different. We do essentially, we cover a lot of the same kind of acreage yes. here on 83 weeks where we're talking about nitro or a, a pay-per-view over a given year or whatever the case may be. But this was a little bit of a departure and it was fun. I always, I always like talking about something different. It's uh it's really been a fantastic uh, experience learning more about Lucha. I mean, I, I just recently watched uh triple mania one and two. I also watched, um, when worlds collide 
it's like, you know, I hate to make the analogy, but it's like when I first discovered ECW, it was like, oh man, this is fun. I like it. But what are some of the backstories? How did we get here? And I'm learning more as we march towards a pretty big pay-per-view, sort of the, the WrestleMania, uh, south of the border, triple mania, October 15th coming up. It's going to be on fight. I'm actually going to be there. Uh, I've been to a bunch of WrestleManias and a bunch of WCW and ECW pay-per-views and more AEW shows than I can count, but I've never been to a major triple A show. Just went to essentially a TV taping a couple of weeks ago down at the hard rock. And now I'm fired up to go to the big boy, man, triple mania. It'll be here before we know it. And, uh, I talked to Conan a little bit cause he had a chance to listen to our podcast. He dug it. And I think we might be, uh, doing some bonus stuff on here on the feed one day soon, just to talk about the history of triple mania. I think this is going to be fun, man. It's like, I don't know what's going on with wrestling, but all of a sudden AEW is really good again. And it's getting more than a million viewers a week and, and WWE creatively. So it was like, it's hitting on all cylinders. People are really excited about, you know, the new changes over there. And now I've seemingly just discovered Lucha, which was there the whole time, but it, it's new to me, damn it. And I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and the, again, the history and the cultural aspect of it. And I think, you know, at this stage of your life and, and given what you've been doing now for the last five or six or seven years, um, you probably have an opportunity to look at the product through a much different, from a much different perspective. And I think we talked about that when we did that show, which makes it more enjoyable. I, I love it. And I hope you guys will check it out. Uh, stay tuned. I don't know what exactly we're going to be doing with Conan, but we're going to do something fun. Uh, and, and he's obviously a friend of the show. And I know you were recently on keeping it 100 and man, they, uh, they stir it up over there. Disco has no problem poking the bear. And I know you're not, uh, you're not going to shy away from any controversy. So that was a good appearance. It's a, it's a fun time. Anytime here. And you talk to, to disco and Conan over there. Yeah, it is fun. And I, I dig Conan, man. He's a smart smart guy and not just about the wrestling business, but in general, you know, he's, he's really well-read. He knows his history. Uh, re- always love talking to Conan. We, we agree on a lot of things. We disagree on some things, but uh, always a great conversation. Well, and we're hoping to have a great conversation today. We're talking about Dean Malenko. Our man was born August 4th, 1960 in New Jersey. Uh, Dean Simon is his real name. And yes, that might sound familiar because eventually as a lot of these names go, uh, we created a character in the WWE called Simon Dean, the workout enthusiast. And that naming stuff goes back a long way. Like I guess, uh, Floyd is the middle name or maybe the first name of Jerry Briscoe. So Freddie Joe Floyd became a, <laughs> name of an enhancement talent who we know as Tracy Smothers. I didn't know that. See, this is interesting stuff. This is like trivia stuff. I like it. Well, and then of course you guys had some fun where once upon a time, Vince McMahon named the servant for the million dollar man, Virgil, because that was the real life name of dusty Rhodes. And well, when, uh, Mike Jones who came to work for you guys, you decided, okay, we'll name him Vincent. Who was that Conrad? It's gotta be yours, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, well, somebody had some fun with that. And somebody had some fun with it. And I, I laughed and went with it, but I, I I'd like to know who came up with that. Well, shout out to them. Uh, of course, our man, Dean Malenko, we're going to refer to him by his wrestling name here was trained by his father, Boris at a training school down in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Boris retired from entering competition, I think around 1980 and Dean and his brother, Joe would help in training several prominent wrestlers over the years. Sadly, Boris passed away in 1994, but you want to talk about 
a crew of folks that maybe we don't talk about enough. You want to talk about influential trainers. The Malenko family trainees include Fred Ottman, who we know as the tugboat character or typhoon or the Shockmaster, Al Perez, AKA Seth Rollins, illegitimate daddy, Norman Smiley. He knows a thing or two about being your daddy, uh, Gangrel, <laughs> uh, Barry Horowitz, Sean Waltman, who was the measuring stick for a long time. Uh, Buddy Landell, Chris Champion, Eddie Sharkey, Mark Miro, Perry Saturn, Van Hammer, Kane, Horace Hogan. I mean, when people talk about great wrestling training families, yes, we talk about the hearts. And these days we talk about Lance Storm. And there's been a lot of great talent that have come out of certain camps here or there, but almost never do you hear the Malenko's mentioned there. And look at that list, man. Think about the Hall of Famers through there. And I know some folks will say, oh, well, Van Hammer, <laughs> okay, whatever. The reality is the dude was on TV and had a big time contract. And there's a ton of other fantastic, I mean, Mark Merrow, Kane, Sean Waltman, Buddy Landell. Yeah, Sean Waltman, just a yeah, two-time WWE Hall of Famer. <laughs> just a little thing, you know. Oh, by the way, probably overcame more obstacles in his era than just about anybody I know because, you know, Sean came along in a point in time when it was all, it was a big man's business. Yeah. There were no 175 pound guys. <laughs> they just weren't, but Sean overcame it. And he played with all of the big boys and, and did it in, a, in a, an amazing way. So hats off hats off to the Malenko family too, man. I mean, what a legacy they leave behind here. And I don't even think a lot of people would have even known about, I mean, we all know Dean Malenko is a hell of a in-ring performer and maybe some of us knew about his father and. I got to admit, I didn't know a ton about Boris. Uh, I, I just knew that, you know, his, that Dean's dad was a wrestler. And then a few years ago, I learned about, uh, the, the controversial tape where a group of Tennessee wrestlers decided they were going to expose the business and go on camera and tell all the dirty secrets. And of course that has become a legendary piece of footage. And Boris Belenko actually took part in that. Did you ever meet Boris? Do you have any recollection of meeting Boris? Never did. Okay. Never did. It's, uh, it, it's quite a legacy that lives on in Tampa. And, and it also makes me wonder, man, what is it about Tampa? You know, like all these great wrestlers over the years, we know Hulk Hogan's down there these days. So is Ric Flair. Once upon a time, it was the macho man's town. I mean, it feels as if Tampa, there's just something in the water. Pardon the pun. It brings those wrestlers in. Does it not? Beaches, no winter and no state income tax. Well, that's a perfect storm, isn't it? Boom. Plus, you can get sued, right? Like, that's why a lot of celebrities have a lot of really big homes in Florida. Because no matter what happens, if someone were to sue you and take everything you own, you keep your house. You can't take your property in Florida. Yeah. It's crazy when you think about it. So, uh, listen, Dean is going to actually occasionally referee. In fact, he was a referee on the January 1986 WWF Saturday night main event from Tampa. Really? I didn't know that. How about that? He, uh, he debuted in Japan in 85 and he's going to team up with his brother, Joe, over the next several years in all Japan up to 1992. And as a little footnote, uh, do you remember hearing about the controversy when, uh, they performed the rockers performed a rocker dropper and it left uh, a young man paralyzed as a result. Yes. It became a whole lawsuit. Well, the expert witness that the WWF called in to explain how the move would work. Dean Malenko. I mean, this is a time when he doesn't work for the company. You know, he is not a contracted WWE performer, 
but here he is on their behalf, uh, as the legend goes, I mean, he really has been just a, a jack of all trades and did it all. And it was right under our nose and we didn't even know it. How about that? That's why I love doing this show. Shout out to Derek Sabato. Hey, that's not even in the job, brother. I just knew that shit. How about oh, that? you did? I just knew that. You didn't have a cheat sheet. I didn't, have, I didn't have a cheat sheet. I just knew it. And I got to wow, tell you, that's, the, that's impressive. Well, that's impressive. I don't mean to brag, but it's because I slept good last night. Thanks to chili sleep. Oh, and here's some breaking news. Sleep me is the new home for chili sleep. They're bringing you the same great sleep that chili sleep offered, but under a new name, sleep me makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. Chili sleep makes the Uller, the cube and the doc pro sleep systems. These are water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. They also just launched the new Doc Pro sleep system. It has two times more cold power than the other models. It's whisper quiet and has a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. Pair it with the new sleep.me app for enhanced device control and sleep scheduling. Head on over to sleep.me forward slash 83 weeks to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Cube, or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for 83 weeks listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep, S L E E P dot M E slash 83 weeks to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Sleep.me forward slash 83 weeks. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. All right. So now I got to ask you, and maybe this is a Dave Green question, Okay, but is there any kind of an award show for podcasters, like like a podcast version of the Emmys or anything like that? Yeah, there's award shows. You should get whatever awards they give. <laughs> you should get one for the transition that you just made into into chili sleep wow thank that you, was that was amazing i'm doing my best you know that's all we can do you're smooth like butter just just trying to get better every day and so was dean malenko back then uh they're gonna make a one-off appearance he and his brother joe at the clash of the champions uh it was clash 19 it went down june of 92 and they're gonna lose to ricky the dragon steamboat and nikita koloff in the nwa tag team title tournament then he's going to branch off and go as a singles wrestler to work in new Japan in 1993. And that's where he would first face Eddie Guerrero. 
And these early Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko matches are really something to go out of your way to find and watch. I know everybody in the business was talking about their matches in ECW and we'll get there. Did you see their matches in new Japan ever? Did that ever come across your desk? I don't think so. In fact, I'm relatively certain not until I didn't see any footage of Dean really, um, until right before I hired him and, and he was suggested to me by Masa Saido, Hmm. um, along with uh, Chris Benoit and Eddie. And I, it was before, cause I was familiar with Chris and I was familiar with Eddie, but I was not familiar with Dean. So I, that's, I think the first time I looked at him. Well, go ahead and throw it in your Google machine. Uh, you'll see a couple of returns. I'm looking at it right here. Uh, it looks like most recently one was uploaded in 2016 or 17, but it is pretty cool to see these guys years before we would see them. I want to go back and look, I'm going to go to Peacock and, uh, I want to go, I'm going to check out a uh, Peacock when this is done. And I want to go back and watch Dean with his brother in 1992 in WCW, because I do not remember that match. Well, I, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, especially when we're talking about, uh, Dean working in ECW, because some of that's going to be in there too. August the 94, he would lose to Shane Douglas in the semifinal of the NWA world title world title tournament. Uh, and then he would actually win the ECW TV title from Scorpio and two cold Scorpio, by the way, I guess there may have been another, I don't know. Either way, while he's the TV champ, uh, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit are also going to win the ECW tag team titles in early 1995 from Sabu and Taz. And this is how the triple threat was originally formed. And I think myself, when I think about the triple threat, I think about Chris Candido, Bam Bam Bigelow and Shane Douglas, because that's what was going on when I became a fan, but it actually predate that group sort of predates, uh, all of those folks with the exception of, uh, exception of Shane Douglas, it was Shane Dean and Benoit. And what a group that was, you want to talk about some guys who could wrestle. I mean, Shane Douglas, especially in the early nineties had a great reputation reputation. And, and, and a lot of people would talk about you know, he's got the most potential and he's got this big upside and he's going to be the next big thing. So much so that the WWF tried him a couple of times, including giving him the rather regrettable Dean Douglas gimmick. Uh, but Dean Malenko and Benoit, man, those are the workhorses. I mean, together, that's a pretty badass little trio. Is it not? It really is. And not only each one of them individually, very gifted in terms of their abilities in the ring, their styles, very, very similar, but the chemistry between them was, I mean, the chemistry was just as amazing as their, as their individual talents. I think they could have been something as a group in um, in WCW. And of course we know years later, we're going to get, uh, you know, the radicals and, and and there's be different iterations, but here in 95, man, that could have been something cool. The triple threat and the horsemen and all that we had going on. Uh, but Dean, for all of his phenomenal in-ring performances, a lot of people felt like what held him back perhaps was his size because it is still very much a, a, the WWF was still the land of the giants. Uh, and that was starting to change a little bit in the mid nineties. People, people at least say that because they started to push Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, but they also had Kevin Nash running around and he's not exactly a little guy. Um, but I often wondered was his. Was Dean too serious? Uh, did Dean need a mouthpiece? Did he need a manager? I mean, I enjoyed Dean's promos, but it didn't feel like he just had this 
electric magnetism that the rock or stone cold or whatever that is, whatever it is, maybe Dean didn't have it in that regard, but buddy, when the bell rang, he was probably going to have the best match on the night. Did you think that Dean needed a mouthpiece or was he better suited in a group or where did you land on Dean in that regard? I just love Dean's character. See, I disagree with, I don't want to say with you, but with anybody that would, would have dismissed him because of his lack of character. I mean, the Iceman, Dean Malenko, I believed him. When he walked through that curtain, he made me believe instantly that he was there and he was deadly serious about what he was about to do. Yes. And if if the, the goal in producing a great wrestling match or a great wrestling show, for that matter, is to suck people in and allow them to believe in this fantasy that they're experiencing, but you really want them to feel it. The only way they can feel it is if they believe it even momentarily. And Dean made me believe the minute he walked through the curtain. Oh yeah. He was believable. I'll give and, you that. And, and I think that was his character to me. I, that's why I, I love watching Dean Malenko masters. Yeah. He did. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to watch in the ring. But I just love watching the way he carried himself to the ring and around the ring and in his promos. So I believed every syllable he would say in a promo because he made me believe when he walked through the curtain. Yeah, that is important to mention. You know, 1995 is the era of, of Jeff Jarrett riding a horse to the ring with, with a, a lit up cowboy hat and ho ho. And he sometimes would wrestle a wrestling clown. And there was a garbage man who was wrestling and. Every now and again, we'd see a guy come out and do magic tricks and I mean, just silly shit. Uh, and then Dean Malenko comes out and buddy, you know, I know it was Chris Candido's gimmick, but it felt like, well, he doesn't need a gimmick. This is just believable. Like you, you were able to say, okay, well now that's silly. And well, this is a little fun. Oh, but now this guy that could be real. Uh, and, and that's not to say that necessarily he was going out there and blacking everybody's eyes, but everything he did in the, in the ring made sense. And you could tell he was very workmanlike. He took it very seriously, almost a UFC style presentation, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It does. And I, again, he doesn't, he doesn't get nearly the accolades. I think that, that he deserves, um, in, in terms of his performance as a character and in the ring. But I, I, I can't just, I just can't say enough good things about him. He's like one of those, one of the last characters not one of the last, I guess there's been others, but very few characters that I just believe. And you know, what's funny about Dean is his real personality is not too far off. Mm. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't emote a lot. Right. And he's just got that kind of chiseled look on his face. You wouldn't know it because he is kind of reserved, I guess. in in compared to most people, he's got an amazing sense of humor. I don't, I don't know if you've had the pleasure of sitting down at dinner or having a beer with him, but you get him in that frame of mind and he's going to, he's got the driest sense of humor of anybody I've ever met. And he's really, really funny, but he's, it's like, there's two deans. There's the funny Dean and there's the stoic Dean that may or may not kick your ass. If he feels the need to, there's just two of them. <laughs> Because I have to guess if he wanted to, he could pretty much do with you what he wanted to. He could stretch your ass, right? I would imagine. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to find out. That'd be a bad, 
That'd be a bad experience. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't want to find out either. Uh, when do you first see Dean on your radar? And is it something that maybe Kevin Sullivan brings to you? Cause I know that he's keeping tabs on everything happening. Down no, in no. As I said, it was really Masa Saido. Okay. And as a result of the new Japan relationship that I had and wanting to strengthen the, when I say strengthen, I mean, engage more frequently with, in terms of talent exchange and keeping the new Japan talent as integrated in the WCW Nitro show as I could throughout the year. We wanted to bring more new Japan talent over and I wanted to bring that style over. And I talked to, to Masa and Brad Ringens about the cruiserweight division and Masa was the one that stepped up and said, here's the three that you need um, in his own way. Um, but that's, that's really when Dean showed up on my, on my radar. The other three, the other two being Eddie and Benoit. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's Eddie was wrestling as a black cat, I believe in new Japan. And I'm not sure about Chris, if he was just Chris Benoit, or if he was under a different name, I don't can't remember. Uh, I think he also did some stuff as, um, Pegasus. There so, you go. So black, maybe black tiger was the name of, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Maybe. Either, either way, New Japan is is the uh, the way the connection happened. I and a lot of people listening to this always assumed it was ECW because that's where he was most recently. He's going to trade the TV title for ECW with Eddie Guerrero before his final ECW appearance, where he would wrestle Eddie to a draw on August twenty sixth in a two out of three falls match. This is also the last appearance for Eddie, uh, but man a draw in a two out of three falls match, just old fashioned ass kicking wrestling. And this type of wrestling is really going to become the backbone of nitro. Eddie Guerrero and, and, and Dean Malenko. I don't think anybody would think of in a traditional luchador sense, but as far as that cruiserweight style that became synonymous with nitro, those are two guys who I don't think, I mean, I don't think anybody ever did it any better. And, and Meltzer would even say this during the Guerrero Malenko match. This is the ECW version. Fans were chanting, please don't go. And Bischoff sucks. Now, of course, <laughs> I mean, listen, that's gotta be a compliment to you because they don't want them to leave. They don't want them on WCW. And we know those guys are looking to make more money and they don't think Bischoff sucks at all. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I'll tell you what though, I, I, I will say this. Or Dean and, and Eddie and Chris, they were all three very respectful of Paul. You know, it, 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 and I've seen this so many times and experienced it so many times where a talent's coming in from another company, for example, WWE, when talent would come in. And not all of them, but too many of them assume that the first thing that I want to hear is how somebody in WWE sucked or how this sucked or that sucked. You know, they want, they assume I want to hear them bad mouth where they came from. Yes. Like somehow that's going to endear them or win favor or make a good impression. And it was always the opposite. It just always kind of struck me odd uh, unless it was, you know, something really major, but you know, just to come in, you know, bury the company that you just worked with for however many years, it, hoping to win favor is just always kind of transparent to me. And that's something that I noticed that neither Dean nor Chris nor Eddie did. They were very respectful. I thought that was cool. That's classy. It is classy. And I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Malenko would say he had reservations at first about coming to ECW because his style wasn't often appreciated in the U S 
but he did appreciate how knowledgeable the fans in ECW were. And of course, Malenko and Guerrero were going to hug at the end of the match and the other wrestlers, including the owners of the promotion, Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon would carry them out on their shoulders to a standing ovation. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing where you get the respect and not only of the fans, but the office, the, the, the other, your coworkers, these guys were universally respected for what they could do in that ring. Right. I think it goes way beyond that Conrad and look, let's just, you know, elephant in the room. Let's just put a bullet in it. Um, probably a port phrase to use, but, um, Chris Benoit put that tragedy aside for a moment. We all know what happened. Yeah. We all have strong feelings about it up until that point. I think Chris, Dean, and Eddie probably established more respect from their coworkers, whether it be in the ring or out of the ring, because of the way they conducted themselves. Mm. I think the reason that everybody felt comfortable with that kind of send-off was because of the respect that Chris and Eddie and Dean achieved and earned by the way they conducted business outside of the ring. I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, it's like I said, up until the tragedy with Chris Benoit, there wasn't, I said it, you know, in a post yesterday or earlier today that I couldn't wait to do this episode because there's few people that I have as much respect for as I do Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. And up until the tragedy, obviously Chris Benoit and the way Chris conducted business back then. And I think that's one of the reasons, yeah, they were great in the ring and they earned a lot of respect there, but they earned a lot more outside of it. It's just great to hear, you know, where this is definitely, um, a genre wrestling podcasting where people are always looking for, as Jr. calls it the dirt and everybody's burying everybody and has something negative to say. And F this guy and that guy held me back and yada, yada. So for us to be singing the praises of somebody almost universally and saying, Hey, not only do, did you feel this way, but really everybody in the freaking industry did, uh, it says a lot about, you know, the content of his character, right? Absolutely does. Absolutely does. Like I said, to this day, there's a few people I respect as much as Dean Malenko. I was so happy to see Dean at Starcast. I just, it's one of those special people. So, um, it's kind of an ideal situation for him. He's finally going to get the, the big guaranteed contract. And again, he's been at it for quite a while when this happens, you know, as we said, he actually made his first trip to Japan in 85. So here we are 10 years later before he's getting you know, the guaranteed contract and it's a big opportunity. And I assume one of the reasons you're looking to sign folks like Dean is, and obviously he's going to add to your roster no matter what, but you're launching this new nitro initiative. You need something different than right. Absolutely different than, you know, we had such a deep roster when it came to the larger than life and what wrestling fans had become accustomed to for a couple decades at that point that larger than life, very colorful character, the Hulk Hogan's, the Stings, the Lex Luger's, the Ric Flair's, you know, those, those, those characters that pretty much established what a archetype is for, for a professional wrestler at the highest levels. But we, we had a lot of them and we needed some diversity in terms of style and presentation. And that's, you know, Dean and Chris and Eddie just delivered that in multiples of seven or 10. Fantastic stuff. Um, 
Four days after his last ECW appearance, Dean is going to defeat Eddie at a WCW Saturday night taping on August 30th. Now this won't air on TV until October 7th, but his actual television debut is nitro on October 2nd, losing to Eddie in Denver and to hype the nitro match. They do interviews on Saturday night, two days before Meltzer had this to say this featured a sit down interview with Dean Malenko during which he spoke about growing up in the wrestling industry, speaking of his father who died a year before and talking about wrestling in Japan, coming to WCW and his rivalry with Eddie Guerrero during the segment footage was shown of Malenko facing Jushin Liger in Japan. It included a sit down interview with Eddie Guerrero about growing up in a wrestling family, talking about wrestling in Mexico and AAA or Tripla, and then arriving in WCW and his rivalry with Malenko during the segment footage aired of Guerrero in Tripla. So this is pretty cool, man. I mean, you guys are really embracing. Hey, these are two legacy talents. Here's some footage from this guy kicking ass in Japan with guys. You probably know like Jushin Liger. And here's some footage of this other fellow kicking some ass in Mexico. This is really a departure. The WWF is not doing stuff like this. No. And we, you know, we've, we've talked about that before. I don't want to beat it to death, but that, that differentiate differentiation being different than I believed in it so much. It proved to be effective in this case. Uh, but it, as you said, at the very beginning of the show, you know, cruiserweight division was the backbone of nitro. And I think that's maybe an understatement, you know, it's, it was, it meant so much. And I, I don't think nitro would have ever become what it became and be able to outperform WWE uh, head to head uh, without the cruiserweight division. I don't think it would have happened. I, I think the audience would have gotten tired of that same style um, after the newness of a live nitro went away. Um, there needed to be something different than, especially for a two hour show, which became a three hour show. You need that diversity and presentation to hold as much of the audience as you possibly can. And not just one set, one percentage of it. We know once upon a time, a guy like Mike Tanay would really make it it felt like his personal mission to sort of educate the audience about international wrestling, whether it was in Japan or certainly Mexico, it feels like he always had a soft spot for Lucha. Would he have been someone who was helping put together packages like this? It feels almost as if this almost predates him having a bigger role in WCW. So if it is sort of pre today, who was your go-to guy in that era? It, it would not have been Mike, um, on the production side of things. Um, it would have been Greg Leathers would have overseen that process. Um, I probably would have had some input in it. I don't think I directed it, doubt it. I'd remember if I did. Um, but it was probably somebody, you know, Craig Leathers and, and someone on his team. Not sure who it was, but it would have been, could have been a Neil Pruitt. Neil was really good at putting yes, packages together. Yes. Um, I'd probably, if I had to make a bet, I'd probably bet on Neil Pruitt. Well, great job, Neil. I hope that's right. I mean, Neil did so many great things. We talked to Neil, uh, earlier this year over uh, on adfreeshows.com. We do something called AFS insiders and uh, we got another one coming up real soon with bill after, which should be a blast. Uh, but with Neil, we talked about some of the, the vignettes and segments that he was a part of, including the, the now infamous skit where the Steiners are run off the road by the NWO. He was involved in that. He was involved in that wonderful piece of business where mean Gene went to Ric Flair's house so he could kiss his family goodbye and then rode the limo in Starcade 93. 
just really, really great stuff. And I'll tell you what else is great stuff. And that's rec tech and the meat that you were posting on social media, Eric, last <laughs> night, I saw you post a picture of your steak or some video of you cooking steaks on the rec tech. And I asked people, Hey, how do you like your steak? Because with a rec tech, you can get it right every single time. Right, man. That steak, Yes, you're absolutely right. That steak turned out. That was unbelievable. It was a New York strip and I don't usually use New York strips. But this butcher shop I go to here in, in Cody has half Wagyu, half Angus. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I have no problem spending the money on that steak because I know when I put it on that Rectech, it's going to turn out perfectly. And it did. So much so that I was going to I was going to videotape cutting into the steak, you know, so I could post it. And I got so excited because I want to see, I want to look at, I want to cut it open. I want to see, I know the temperature is perfect, but I got to see it. So yes. I cut it open and the juices start to come out of that steak and I can smell it. And I got so excited about eating it that I forgot to film it. <laughs> I blew it. So tonight I'm actually doing, I'm going to smoke some um, boneless pork chops. There you go on, on, on the rec deck. And then I'm going to post it again tonight because I just love cooking up my rec deck. Go look at Eric's uh, social media. It's at E Bischoff on, on Twitter and you'll see, man, he's cooking up stuff all the time on the rec tech and you will be as soon as you get yours. I love mine. Eric loves his, and they've got a key focus on flavor, convenience and versatility. And let me explain what I'm talking about here. Their flagship model, the RT 700 comes with a 40 pound pellet hopper. What does that mean? It means you won't have to reload it with charcoal cause you're done with messy charcoal grills. Now you got these wood pellets and 40 pounds means you can cook a long time before you need to tinker and add more 702 square inches of cooking space on this dude, which means you could cook for a small army, certainly enough for your family. It also has a six year bumper to bumper warranty. You don't hear about stuff like that in the grill community, but my favorite piece, and I mean it is the PID Wi-Fi controller. You're going to get a probe. You're going to be able to dial your meat in exactly. If you want it medium rare done, you want it rare done. You want it medium. Well, shame on you, but you can do that too. Uh, <laughs> you can bake, you can smoke, you can sear, you can grill. They tell me you can dehydrate. I've yet to do it, but either way, it all happens with the push of a button. And that's why those in the know choose Rectech. But I'm telling you, this is a game changer. I've spent a bunch of money on grills before and stupid people like Eric Bischoff and myself, we would think that it was a rite of passage to stay up all freaking night and sit and tinker with this stuff for hours on end. And then hope it turned out right. Thanks to rec tech. Our phone lets us know when it's done. Our phone lets us adjust the temperature up or down. It is a life hack. And I know Eric hates that phrase, but that's what rec tech is, man. And they've got grills for every budget y'all starting at just three 99, all the way on up. They offer factory direct pricing that gets riddled the middleman. It also means you save money and their grill ship for free. How do you beat that? So get rid of that old tasteless gas grill. They suck. And you know, it, the messy charcoal grill. That's a thing of the past and forget the overhyped brand name grill. Let's join an elite wood pellet grilling family. You can just feel the difference when they're side by side. I've had them all. And this is the most high quality grill I've ever owned by focusing on flavor, convenience, and versatility. Eric and I think Rectech set the new standard in grilling. So visit Rectech.com. That's R E C T E Q.com. The promo code is Bischoff five to save 5% off site-wide. That's 5% off their grills, 5% off their coolers, 5% off the rubs and sauces, accessories, merchandise. Everything's 5% off. 
at rectech.com with the promo code Bishaw5. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So listen, we introduced these guys to the Saturday night audience with this fantastic package, and then they tear it up on nitro. And a few days later that we get to see them do it again on Saturday night, really fantastic stuff. And the way I think you should introduce guys uh, to an audience like this. And it, it often feels like even these days, we just see a guy pop up and we don't really know who he is or why he's there or what he's about, but this, these few minutes go a long way to establishing why the audience should care. Right. Absolutely. And look, I, I, I know I've been guilty in the past of not finding the right balance of entering action and non-entering action, whether that's backstage promos or in-ring promos or video packages or whatever, but there is, there is the right balance. And I think too often there's so much discussion and chatter that makes its way into the heads of people who create wrestling content and it's all now we need more ring time. We need more in ring action. That's what the audience wants. It is what the audience wants. If they care enough about the people in action yes. and you need to, you need some of those background pieces. You need to get to know, you need to let your audience get to know that talent in order for them to really consistently appreciate that in ring action. If, if you fail to establish a talent, and all you're doing is putting them in the match and you're hoping that the match is going to get them over or matches over a period of time are going to get them over. It, it will, but not nearly as much as the right balance of getting to know the character through video packages, especially as you're introducing them. And even afterwards, you know, it's one thing that I think is lacking across the board is, man, I really want to get to know these people. I want to get inside their head. And yes, you have to still be in character, but there's ways to do that. And I, I, they're so effective. They really are. I think people would dedicate a little bit more time and it is, you know, it's pre-production. So that's yes. a little more difficult, right? Yes. When you, especially when you're producing live television, it's a challenge, but it, it's a challenge that pays off. I'd like to see more of it. Yeah. Let me just give an example there. And first, I guess I want to say the old cliche that I think everybody listening to this has probably heard. No one cares what you know until they know that you care. And the idea is we need to care about these characters. And so my, my mom is a great example because my mom absolutely hates football. She doesn't want to watch football on TV. She doesn't want to go to a football game. She thinks it's stupid and doesn't like it. She loves the television show hard knocks on HBO. It's a show about football or is it really, it's a, it's a human interest piece about these guys who are trying to make a team, make the cut further their career. And they show you a peek behind the curtain. What's their motivation. So more than 20 years ago, they did a a hard knocks on the Baltimore Ravens and the rookie at the time who was trying to assimilate with this new crew and, and, and band of misfits was a guy named, uh, Todd heap. He was a tight end. My mom fell in love with Todd heap because he had a young wife and a young daughter and a young family. And 
Now he's got this responsibility of being a, a young kid right out of college now with a big contract. And he's trying to assimilate with this group of men and some of it's going to be easy. Some of it's going to be hard, but he's also figuring out how to play house and all of that. It had very little to do with football and more about, Hey, I'm pulling for this guy. And even now over 20 years later, every now and again, my mom will say, Hey, whatever happened to that Todd heap guy? And, <laughs> and, and he made an impression. And if, if she was just watching the football game, she wouldn't have known his number or what position he played or what he did. But now she feels like, okay, I have an understanding. And I think that was really what made Floyd Mayweather a superstar. If you go back and you take a look at his pay-per-view buy rates before he fought Oscar de la Hoya in 2007, uh, he was a nominal pay-per-view draw. He wasn't making the big money that we see now after that fight with Oscar de la Hoya, he was a superstar, but by the way, it had almost nothing to do with the actual pay-per-view fight. It wasn't a very exciting fight. It was all about the countdown on HBO. They did a multiple week series that they called 24 seven. And they just followed him around as he got ready. And he was essentially looking at the camera and cutting wrestling promos, throwing hundred dollar bills at it. And that's how he became money. Mayweather. He became this larger than life heel. And he drew a bunch of money with wrestling promos. That's what happened. And we understood there were two types of people who, who watched Floyd Mayweather fights. I love this guy's swagger. I want to see him kick everybody's ass and make all the money in the world. And then there's the other side. I can't wait until somebody shuts this big mouth guy. He's got to lose. I'm tired of him being undefeated. F him, blah, blah, blah. Wherever you bought it, right? Whether you wanted him to win, you wanted him to lose. You bought the damn pay-per-view. That's wrestling at its finest. And That's Muhammad Ali too, man. That's Muhammad Ali. And Floyd Mayweather, I, I just saw advertised last weekend, is uh, you f- fought some MMA guy, MMA guy on Fight TV, I think it was, Yeah, uh, over in Japan. He's he's still working the gimmick, brother. (laughs) Still working the gimmick. He'll always be working the gimmick. And and he's still the highest paid combat sports guy around. And it's because he knows how to give us that character piece. So I I, I think it was awesome that we introduced Eddie and Dean in in such a way where it's, yes, we know they're going to have badass matches, but here's why they're having badass matches. And the why I think is why people even listen to this show. It's not like we're showing people how to do Texas clover leaves on this show. Although people would get a kick out of you putting one on me. Uh, but you know, the, in reality, we're just talking about the why and the why really worked here. Uh, he would, he being Dean pronouns, pal would work a lot with new Japan in 95 and early 96 before he starts his, his big push. When he defeats, uh, Otani at a worldwide taping in universal studios in Orlando on May 2nd, 1996. Now what he does by beating Otani is he becomes the WCW cruiserweight champion. And this is when we really start to push that division in a big way. And of course we know that summer is when we're going to be introduced to Rey Mysterio, but Dean is really the first guy that we're going with to push this cruiserweight title in a big way. Why was Dean the guy in your opinion? He just represented to me what that division should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, and obviously with the, addition of the luchadors eventually um things changed a little bit but to me i mean if you could go to central casting like if there was such a thing like if you're going to have make a wrestling company you're going to start a wrestling company and you could go to a casting agent who specialized in professional wrestlers and i called that agency and i said okay i want somebody that's you know under 200 pounds 205 somewhere in that area um 
not too big, you know, that has a different kind of wrestling style. That's like nuts and bolts and basic, but believable and fast. That's they'd send you Dean Malenko. Mm -hmm. He just, he just had the look to me. He was, he was the guy. Let's, uh, let's talk about the fact that Dane's going to have some incredible matches. We've covered them in the past. Uh, Ray Mysterio is his opponent at the great American bash in June of 1996. Of course, that's Ray's coming out party. And even though Dean gets his hand raised, whew, Ray Mysterio has made a splash. Uh, and then we also covered the nitro match where Ray would actually win the cruiserweight title. And, and I know that they've had so many great matches. I know we're eventually even going to talk about Halloween havoc 96 and their match there. And of course, when people think about Halloween Havoc matches with Rey Mysterio, they always go to 97, but his match with Dean in 1996 at Halloween Havoc was unbelievable. And as much as I enjoyed Eddie and Rey Mysterio, I think I could watch Dean and Rey matches once a day, every day, like they'll never get boring. And I wonder what it was like for Dean. Next time I I see him, I'm going to have to ask him, but that first match with, with Rey that had to be an absolute blast for Dean because Dean had to know going in that it was going to be a hell of a match, probably more so than anybody else that that had to be fun for him. Let's, uh, let's also think about, you know, what else could have been because we know the presentation, you're going to keep it very basic, not saying that to be uh, ugly or dismissive, but you're not making him glacier. You're not putting him in the dungeon of doom. Uh, Can you imagine that? Oh, hey, no. Dean, come here. Dean, come on. I know you're eating and you're in the middle of it. I just want to talk to you for a second. Dean, I got this idea. We're going to dress you up as a ninja warrior. No, no, no. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. That's not your style, but Dean, it'll work because you know, ninja guys are always on the smaller side, right? They're not big. 300 pound ninjas. You never see a 300 pound ninja. Do you Dean? No, you see smite. That's what we're going to do. And that, that you as a ninja is what's going to get the cruiserweight division over. Can you imagine a look on Dean Malenko's face as I was going through that with him? No, I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> He's the guy that doesn't even make a face, right? He'd right. Just look at you. He would just stare a hole right through me and he'd snatch my soul and stretch it without either, even blinking an eye. I, uh, I just can't help but wonder if anybody ever even pitched that or thought of that. I'm glad it never happened though. <laughs> no, no uh, one did. <laughs> th- there's going to be some incredible matches, uh, through late 96 and early 97, not only with Ray and, uh, and Dean, but Ultimo dragon is going to be a fantastic opponent for him. And there's not a lot of stories with these guys, Eric. And I guess, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this last week when we talked about Lucha in that. Hey, you know, it's the first match on a lot of these shows. It starts with a big bang and the first match on any show is very important. It sets the pace. And, uh, I mean, arguably it's the match that people are talking about when they leave. However, the cruiserweights didn't get a lot of stories. So yes, we're having great matches with Ray and and Dean and occasionally they'd work around trying to pull the mask off, but that's almost like an in match story. And even with Ultimo dragon, I don't remember a ton of story. So they're not getting a lot of promo time, a lot of backstage vignettes, a lot of Gaga as Pat Patterson would call it. Did you just think they didn't need it? I mean, when you're looking at programming a card, you know, Dusty Rhodes once said that a great wrestling card should be like, uh, the circus. You should have the clowns and the lion tamers and the trapeze artists. There's something for everybody. Almost like, 
you know, an old school country buffet or something where there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, whatever. Did you just think, Hey, this is awesome as is why tinker with it. They don't need story. They're just going to go tear it up. I don't, I don't think that was it. And as you're, you know, you're laying all that out. I'm thinking to myself, shit, he's right. Why didn't I give them story? I'm the story guy. I'm the guy that believes in story first and foremost. I would say that perhaps, uh, perhaps I didn't feel we needed it, I guess, but that would have been a lame ass excuse because we should have had it. There should have been better story. Yeah. There might've been later on as time went on. There were, um, cause I remember, especially we like with Chris Jericho, um, but not initially, not initially. That was a failure on my part. Just think what they could have been if we were given them story. All right. I mean, it was already awesome as is, but with some story. Wow. But we could have elevated it. Yeah. If it was a seven, it could have been a nine. If it was an eight, it could have been a 10. Do you think, and again, we both think a lot of Kevin Nash and shout out to him and Sean Oliver on their new great podcast. Click this, but it's smoking, by the way, that's a great podcast. They're doing a great job. It's unlike most other wrestling podcasts. It feels like easy listening in PR, uh, but with the. The, the, and I, I gotta be honest with you, Connor. I had my doubts about Sean Oliver, and I've always liked Sean. I've I've done some things with Sean. He's always been a classy guy and a super professional guy. But I was only familiar with those shoot video things. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I just didn't see him as a podcast guy because you, you know, as you know, I mean, you're the master of it. You know, you you've got to know your shit. You got to dig a little deeper, and you got to get granular and you got to have a good team like you do behind you and Derek Sabato and others to help you with the research. But I didn't think Sean would really deliver as well as he has. He's really great. And Kevin, I knew it'd be fantastic. Shout out to Sean Oliver, the goat of uh shoot interviews. Plus he has to work with that crabby fucking Kevin Nash a lot. And that just all it in and of itself, he should get an award at the same podcast. Emmy like award show that you're going to get your transition award for the best transition of the year. Sean Oliver should get some kind of award because I guarantee you keeping that train on the tracks and on schedule cannot be fun. And I say that with love, Kevin, it's hard to be seven foot tall in a six foot world. And, uh, and be comfortable and happy all the time. And, uh, there you go. He's powering through it, but I've seen, I've seen good Kevin and I've seen crabby Kevin and Ooh, crabby Kevin's tough. <laughs> he is <laughs> to the point where one day I went and asked for p- people in the business and said, Hey man, what should I do? And they're like, Oh, it's just crabby Kevin. He'll be fine. And sure enough, he was <laughs> the next time I saw him, he was back to usual Kevin and 10 out of 10. So anyway, I, I want to bring this up and boy, I'm not trying to stir a hornet's nest, but he, I believe is the guy credited with referring to some of the cruiserweight talent. And I'm sure he meant Dean Malenko, uh, as quote unquote, vanilla midgets. And that's not a, a term that we would use these days. And we realize now how silly that was because they were such a great part of the show. But part of what he was saying may have been, well, there's no story with these guys. They just go out there and have matches and do spots, but that's not really their fault. Right. Eric. No, it wasn't their fault. Yeah. And again, and I, I know I'm sounding like I'm trying to excuse myself for not giving them story, but part of the reason they were different is because you didn't hear a lot from them. Yes. They came in and they, they delivered great matches. And again, I'm not saying that as an excuse, but there wasn't a lot of urgency either 
to, to do anything more with them than what they were doing because of the, they fit perfectly in the role that I brought them in for. So maybe that was it, but maybe that's what Kevin, look, Kevin, when he gets a little hot or a lot hot, you don't want his verbal abuse because he's so fucking good at it. And uh, who knows how that came about or why it came about, but I'm guessing it was probably in a moment of frustration. I don't think he really meant it. Right. Well, it is going to be a term that at least lives on for a bit and follows them around. Um, I want to mention the first real story. Actually, before we get into that story, I, I, I want to give a plug uh, to something that I've started using recently. Eric, have you tried Speedify yet? No, I have not, but I will because we're getting into that time of year where we have issues with our internet. So I, I think yes. for you in particular, this could be very, very helpful. Let me explain. Have you ever wished there was something out there that could improve your internet for better speeds and a better overall experience? And what if you could use more than one internet connection at the same time? Think about what we're talking about here. Like you could combine hotel or coffee shop, Wi-Fi and the cellular data connection on your phone and combine their speed together for more speed, faster speed, and more reliability. Well, Speedify is the only app that can combine multiple internet sources into one bonded super connection to improve live streaming, video calling, gaming, web browsing, everything else you do online. It's so simple to use. It runs in your background and it lets you combine any number or type of internet connection for better performance. It's available on all of your devices. You can use it on your PC, your Mac, your iPhone, your Android, even Linux. But that's not all at its core. Speedify is also a VPN, which means it encrypts all of your web traffic to improve privacy and security. So what are you waiting for? You deserve better internet and Speedify can help deliver it. Download Speedify today at speedify.com slash 83 weeks. That's S P E E D I F Y.com slash 83 weeks. Speedify.com slash 83 weeks. Uh, you know when that would really come in handy? Where, when's that? When you go to a, I I just recently went to Fargo this past weekend, by the way, had a blast shout out to everybody in Fargo. Um, but when you stay at a hotel or motel on a road trip and you get the, you know, the, the, the free Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi is sometimes a little sketchy, you know, like if you're not standing in the right part of the room, but oftentimes when you're on the road, man, that's when you need access the most and, uh, Speedify work great for that. Absolutely perfect. I will I will be signing up when we finish recording today. I think you're gonna love it. I actually tried it uh when I was down in Mexico. Fantastic. Uh I got fantastic service and that made all the difference in the world, especially when I was roaming like that. So What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Anyway, let's talk about the first real story that Dean gets to sink his teeth into. It's when six and the NWO sets their sights on every title and six is trying to get the title for the NWO at super brawl seven in 1997. And it almost feels like, you know, this 
creates an opportunity. So you could also look at it as, oh man, I'm losing the belt, but he's no longer going to be working for the cruiserweight championship. Now he's going to move up along with Eddie Guerrero into the U S title picture. They have a no DQ match. He and Eddie Guerrero do at uncensored 97 on March 16th in North Charleston. We've covered it in our archives, but for a long time, the quote unquote, smart Mark wrestling community believed the intercontinental championship on the other channel was the quote unquote workers belt guys like Bret Hart and Kurt Henning and the macho man, they held that championship. And then of course, later Shawn Michaels and the British bulldog and on and on. Meanwhile, the world title was reserved for Hulk Hogan, Sergeant slaughter, those types. But as far as the actual, I mean, we're going to have a great competitive match. The intercontinental title was sort of the gold standard. And when you start to put the U S title on guys like Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero, it feels like that's what we're doing for this title. So on some level, yes, it elevates the guys because now maybe they do have more opportunity for story and they're not quote unquote, just the cruiserweights, but it almost elevates the importance of that title because now, man, if you're going to wrestle one of those guys, you better be a badass wrestler too, right? Yeah, and it's funny as you're laying all that out, I'm thinking, you know, actually, I think Dean Malenko and, and the Cruiserweights made the U.S. title more credible. Yes. Not vice versa. Yeah. I mean, that's just a fact. So, the uh, unfortunately, he's going to drop the belt to that nothing happened in Jeff Jarrett in Boston uh, before he starts to get involved with Deborah and all that mess. So, on the one hand... It's almost like, be careful what you wish for. We're no longer tearing it up with Rey Mysterio and having barn burners with Sean Waltman or Eddie Guerrero. Now we got to work with double J and get involved in this Deborah mess. And the, De- the Deborah storylines just kind of there and don't get me wrong. I'm glad that he's got a story, but this one, I mm. kind of wonder if I was him when I say, can I just fucking go Russell Hoobentude instead? Cause that'd be, <laughs> you know, uh, and I can only imagine that something very similar to that at some point was, uh, was going through Dean's mind, but here's, you know, one of the reasons that I, I feel so strongly about Dean as a professional is because of his integrity and the way he handled himself. And that's another thing I just want to point out about Dean Malenko. I am sure that there were many situations that he was put into that he didn't really prefer or enjoy or look forward to or believe in, in any way, never showed it, just did his job, made the most of it. He made it as good as it could possibly be. Never heard pushback from, from Dean. No, he had some constructive ideas. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he just showed up, you know, went in a corner and waited till he got pointed to the ring. Not saying that he was very much involved and is very constructive, but, once you set him in a direction and said, this is what we're doing, whether he liked it, didn't like it, hated it, loved it, whatever, he just went out and did it. And that's why and I, I love working with people like that. Push back all you want, tear shit up all you want constructively. But when it's time and the decision has been made, just go out and do your job. And Dean went out and did his job so fucking well that he made Otherwise, horse shit stuff come off pretty damn good. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, Dean, 
is definitely a guy who's, who's going to make the best of a bad situation. You know, I mean, there are times where some of this story was a little silly, but buddy, he's still having barn burner matches to the point that he's ranked number one in the PWI 500. And this happens at a time where usually it's the top wrestlers in the world. Like whoever's the headline act is that's who they're going to say, Oh, this guy's the best wrestler in the world. This is the first time it felt like pro wrestling illustrated did a departure and said, Hey, who do we think bell to bell might actually be the best wrestler in the world. And they came up with Dean Malenko, which by the way, is a fine answer. And as a wrestling fan who couldn't get enough in 1997, I agreed with them. Uh, recently the PWI 500 came out and it created a whole new round of debate. It feels like we do this every single year. Does it matter? Is it important? Is it irrelevant? I mean, all that stuff you hear people boohoo and this guy was too low. This guy was too high. Oh, they forgot. So and so the same thing about college football rankings, right? Well, except those usually have some sort of stakes, you know, at the end, there's a championship involved and there's usually television, no, but it's the politics. So. It's a, who do, who deserves it more? Why did this person get it? Not this person get it and all that. It's the same thing. It's just people real highly invested and emotional about the thing they love. Um, <laughs> I just want to remind everybody as they're taking it very seriously. And I just put over how cool it was that in 1997, Dean Malenko was ranked number one. He did an interview about that fact that he was ranked number one. And he says, first of all, the ranking is a work. The title is a prop. All I care about is my money. Wow. So little perspective you know. from Mr. Malenko, like, Hey guys, thanks. But, uh, pay me some more money. See, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected that out of Dean. That's funny. I'm surprised that that was attributed to Dean or, or that he said that in 1998, Dean's first memorable feud takes place with Chris Jericho over the cruiserweight title. And boy, is this fun. They have so much fun. Of course, Chris is really the perfect opponent for Dean. He's over the top. He's silly. He's trash talking. Uh, we get lots of great quotes, like the, the great segment where Jericho has the old piece of computer paper that just continues on and on and on where he exclaims that, Hey, Dean Malenko may be the man of a thousand holds, but I am the man of a thousand four holds. And he decides to name them off. And of course, every other one arm bar, great stuff. One of the more memorable skits. Uh, it even continues to where there's a big reveal. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but as much fun as it was to see Dean have a little bit of a story with six and maybe a little regrettable that he had a storyline with Deborah and Jeff Jarrett about is he or isn't he a horseman and all that shenanigans. But the stuff he did with Jericho was off the charts and great for both guys. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And again, going back to chemistry, I mean, Dean had the same level of chemistry, different, different type of chemistry, but the same level of it, intensity of it, I should say, um, as he did with Eddie and, and Ray, uh, Dean and Chris were magic together. Magic. It was fun to watch. In fact, I'm, I need to go back and watch some of that. As you're talking about the lists, I remember that just laughing my ass off. It was so good. Really, really great stuff. Uh, Jericho is going to retain the title over Dean and uncensored on March 15th in mobile, Alabama. Can't believe you guys ever ran a pay-per-view there. Thank you for that. Neither can I, that was ugh, mobile. I flew my plane into mobile once when I was right after I got my pilot's license. One of the first places I flew myself for, to, to an event and 
damn near crashed. Did you ever go <laughs> to you ever go to Winsel's down there? No, I don't think so. It's an oyster place you would love. Huh. Next time you find yourself down there, go out of your way. There's a couple of them that have been chained, not chains, but you know, in other areas of the South, but the one in mobile, there's two, the one that's like the original OG one. It's an Eric Bischoff kind of place. Need to check that out. Yeah. You'll be all about it. So after the match here at uncensored in mobile, Alabama, uh, in an interview with me, Gene Dean says he's going home. Uh, he's asked, Hey, where are you going after this loss? And he says, I'm going home. And Jericho, of course, is now claiming he's the man of a thousand four holds and Malenko doesn't return. Now, remember that happens March 15th. He doesn't come back until Slamboree May 17th. Um, but before that six days prior, the May 11th, 1998 edition of nitro Joe Malenko comes out Dean's brother and confronts Chris Jericho. And the confrontation leads to an attack by Jericho and Joe Malenko's only appearance on nitro and at Slamboree, they pay it off in a big way. They're doing a battle Royal for the cruiserweights and whoever wins the battle Royal gets a shot at Jericho's cruiserweight title. Now the match is won by Cyclope who we've seen on nitro and Saturday night a thousand times. And after shaking hands with Juventud Guerrera, Juventud eliminates himself. Like he doesn't even try to win. And then Cyclope unmasks himself. And we see it's actually Dean Malenko. So Dean Malenko's back. He's going to not only take on his nemesis, Chris Jericho, but he's going to beat him and win the WCW cruiserweight title for the final time. But the pop, when Dean took his mask off is out of this world. Probably the, one of the biggest reactions of the year, certainly the biggest, maybe that Dean ever got in his career, because you just didn't see it coming. And we tried this a few times. We would see the undertaker take off a cane mask and we saw DDP take off a Laparka mask. But when Dean does it, you just didn't see it. You didn't imagine it from a cruiserweight, especially Cyclope. They just, you wouldn't imagine that this is what it is, but man, the crowd was with it. They loved the story. And it almost feels as if absence had made the heart grow fonder. We had to remind him a little bit the Monday before as a little bit of a tease or foreshadowing, but this was about as good as it gets in WCW for storytelling and reaction and response. And man, when wrestling's great, there ain't nothing better. And this is about as good as it gets. And you know what? I forgot all about it till you just laid that out. And I have to go back and watch that. Uh, I've got to go back and watch that. That just sounds fantastic. And again, you would, you know, you talk about being unexpected. You didn't see it coming, but, if, you know, Cyclope and you wouldn't, couldn't have imagined Dean Malenko doing something like that because yeah. he was so, you know, straight and, and you, because he wasn't a character, you wouldn't have expected something like that out of him. So you just made me definitely want to go back and watch that. Let's also mention that, uh, the feud with Jericho continues through the summer of 98 because Dean is eventually stripped of the title because he didn't earn the slamboree title shot as himself. So Jericho wins the match for the That's bullshit. Who booked that? That's bullshit. That's a, that's bullshit. Wrestling booking bullshit. Bullshit. Who did that? You did. was probably uh kevin sullivan because that's heat, no, brother. Kevin sullivan did it kevin sullivan did it. that was all his idea that was god's heat brother um 
and listen, great American bash. They have another great match in June, uh, but it is classic heel booking. And then Malenko causes Jericho to lose the title to Rey Mysterio in July bash at the beach. The title is eventually returned to Jericho and Dean is fired in the storyline. So yeah, we're getting real story. Now a real feud, something to sink our teeth into. It wasn't happening in 96 or 97, but by 98, man, we're dialing it in here. Would Terry Taylor have been a guy who would have been a big part of this one? Do you think, or no? I would imagine, I I would imagine, you know, my recall on Terry was, I mean, he was very involved creatively, um, as a group, but his primary responsibilities that I remember the most really had a lot to do with laying matches out and helping with finishes as opposed to the bigger creative picture or the broader creator creative picture. But it did. he quite possibly could have had a lot of input in this one. I just, I don't know. I, uh, I absolutely love this era of WCW Dean's brought back. He's going to be a guest referee at road wild in August. And when Jericho loses the title to uh Hoover to Guerrera. And at this point, it feels as if, you know, he's going to become a horseman. Um, he does become a part of that final four horsemen group, September of 1998, the very next month. Alongside Flair, who's returning to cut a promo on you, Benoit and Steve McMichael. And maybe this is one of the most high profile segments he's involved in. Um, what'd you think of Dean as a, a member of the four horsemen? Did you like it? Did he like it? I don't know if he liked it. I loved it. Yeah. You know, is is you know ill fitting as Jeff Jarrett was in the horseman, just based on his character. I'm not trying to be a smart ass here, but that flamboyant electric cowboy dick dancer outfit he used to wear to the ring. I mean, it's just, there's nothing about Jeff Jarrett's f- character, not the person or the talent, just the character. There's nothing about that character that fit in the four horsemen, nothing at all. Dean was the exact opposite. Everything about Dean fit into the four horsemen, at least my perspective on it. Yeah. When you look at Arn Anderson, you know, Arn Anderson is a straightforward, no gimmick, no bullshit, believable guy. Yes. That was Arn's role. Rick was the over the top, half crazy, dangerous, unpredictable. Arn was that gigantic piece of granite right next to him. That's what Dean was. Dean had that same characteristic about it just the way he carried himself the way he came out to the ring the way he conducted himself in the ring his believability all of that to me just screamed four horsemen i want to remind everybody this episode is brought to you by car shield who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs and that's just for starters car shield is the number one auto protection company in the u.s boys and girls and they offer protection plans for around 100 bucks a month The plans cover more parts than ever before. Whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. And let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic and car shields. Administrators handle the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or headaches you're taking care of. And the same goes. If your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road plans through car shield also include coast to coast roadside assistance. Car shield administrators are there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost too. get coverage today. And you'll lock in your price now, and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, 
no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising costs of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs, and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. So let's talk about what's next for Dean. Uh, we know that, um, he and, and Benoit are going to win the WCW tag titles at uncensored 99 from the West Texas rednecks, uh, Kurt Henning and, uh, Barry Windham. But just two weeks later, they're going to lose them to Ray Mysterio jr. And Billy Kidman. Now we talked almost at the very beginning of this show about what a great tag team Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit were in ECW. And we had them here in WCW, but only a two week tag run by this point, do titles really matter as much in WCW? Is it more of a prop? Does it have more prestige or the tag titles? Just, ah, who cares? I, I don't think anybody ever took the, oh, who cares approach. Although it may seem that way yeah. sometimes in watching the show, but I, I can just say how I felt about it. I can't tell you how other people were thinking about it, but for me, tag team wrestling just didn't make sense. Right. It, it, from a business point of view, I get it. Some people love it. And there's a lot of history and legacy and some of people's best memories probably involve a lot of great tag team wrestling. So I don't not criticizing the idea of it, but from a fiscal perspective, it made no sense. Paying four guys instead of two paying four guys instead of two, but it's, it's not just that. I mean, cause if you're going to have a really interesting tag team division, you've got to populate it. Yes. With people who are exclusive to tag team wrestling. Yes. And it gets expensive. Yes. So that was my bigger issue and probably consciously or subconsciously why I just didn't put a lot of the same thought, the same level of energy creatively into the tag team division as I did is into the heavyweight division. Well, there's your answer, boys and girls. Um, why in your opinion, because, you know, we just talked about uh, the, the horseman and how, you know, there's a narrative out there that after fall brawl 97, we sort of killed the town, uh, for WCW in all of North Carolina, but, but <laughs> we, we put them back together in 1998. That's so bullshit. That's so bullshit. I just hate that narrative. This is just nonsense. So we've covered it. We won't go back. I won't go back and talk about what the Carolinas were before all this and who really burned the Carolinas down. I won't, I'm not going to bring any of that up again because we've already covered that in great detail. My question is once we put the group back together and the now infamous fire me, I'm already fired promo from Ric Flair, which made for fucking amazing TV. Sure did. Uh, horsemen fall together almost as quick fall apart, almost as quickly as you put them back together. What had you just lost interest in the concept of the four horsemen? Did it feel old or passe? I know it's not the, the bright, shiny object that the NWO is, but certainly in certain areas of the country, people are wearing their, their, their merch and making their signs and holding up the four fingers. But it feels as if in 1998, man, they just never really get going again. Uh, is that because, you know, the guys weren't into it or the office wasn't into it? Or did you think the fans weren't into it? Oh, how did I feel about Horseman at that point? I guess 
I did feel as though it was tired and bringing them back was bringing back something nostalgic for a temporary period of time. Okay. And was never intended to be an ongoing faction like the NWO. That was the intent going in. And I think it reached a certain point storyline wise where it achieved its goal and we were done with it. That's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah. And you, you can criticize me for looking at it that way. I no, don't I don't. Take it. I don't. I mean, he, here's that's the, what it was. Nostalgia was the answer because I mean, everybody, I think everybody who's listening to this has heard, you know, the old adage or, or people talk about nostalgia saying it works sparingly. And once in a while, but it, it can't be, you know, even like when they brought back Hogan in the two thousands in the WWF, it would come back and be hot. And then not as hot a few weeks later. I mean, it was, it was really cool to see them again. And we were excited to see them, but when we see them every single week, it doesn't feel as special. It's less of an attraction if we're getting it every single week. Uh, so, I mean, listen, I understand that makes total sense to me. Uh, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, and Perry Saturn are going to now become part of Shane Douglas's faction, the revolution in July of 1999 until he leaves WCW in January of 2000. Of course, the revolution is one of the last things that you're going to help put together before you're out of WCW. What was the idea of the stable originally? Did you think they were a good combo together and for better or worse, wrestling fans are always going to compare one faction to another. And when you see a great talker blonde hair and blue eyes, and he's a little cocky and a little arrogant, and he's got three other great performers behind him. People were dying to, to hear you or make, I mean, I remember back in the day, there were all these rumors. Here's going to be the guys from horseman 2000. This is the new generation of horsemen, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of feels like it, that group right there, Perry Saturn, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Shane Douglas. Of course, we're not calling it the horseman. Cause as you said, maybe that's a little old for the time, but the revolution is the name. What say you, did you have a hand in putting that together? Did you think it had a big ceiling? What do you remember about that group? I think that was a lot. That was really Kevin Sullivan. Um, in, in terms of who came up with that idea and, and putting those guys together, I believe it was Kevin. Um, could be wrong on that. Trying to remember, man, July of 99, I would have likely that would have happened under Kevin. Kevin Nash might have been booking by that time. Okay. I can't pin, I can't pin that one down as far as who can. It wasn't me. Let's put it that way. Um, that I do know. But, you know, as you're, again, as you're describing this, I'm visualizing it, right? Yeah. And, man, what a badass stable that was. I don't yeah. think there was any. Horseman 2000 ish kind of conversations going on, but the parallels are there, right? I mean, well, all over the place. It was in the newsletters all the time. This is going to be the new horseman. They're working on a new horseman group and, and listen, maybe they were never planning to call anything the horseman, but I just think it's a natural, oh, well, this is the next iteration, you know? Yeah. You would, you'd be insane not to draw that. That yeah. parallel, you, you, I mean, it's obvious, right? I mean, even when they did uh, evolution, not the revolution, but notice they just took the R off and they did this in in WWE, except instead of it being Shane Douglas out front, it's Hunter Hearst Helmsley out front. 
Uh, and then in the background, it's Batista and Randy Orton and Ric Flair. So people are still going to compare that to the four horsemen. There's four members, Flair's involved. The world champ is the top guy, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it just goes back to that. I'll say there's nothing really new. Just no. variations of the same stuff we've been watching for decades and decades and decades, and in some cases, centuries. We know Dean's going to join the WWF in early 2000. Everyone's going to walk out after Vince Russo and Kevin Sullivan. Um, well, listen, Kevin Sullivan is out and or not Kevin Sullivan's out, but Vince Russo's out. And, and now they're saying it's going to be Kevin Sullivan. And some of these guys have had specifically Benoit concerns about working for Kevin Sullivan. There's a whole, Excuse again, and f- forgive me, because I don't, th- I don't think about this stuff. Like the only time it crosses my mind is when we're doing this. So, yeah. Russo, sh- when did Russo? Sh- I don't expect you to know this, but Russo shows up sometime after I leave in Oct- September. Oct- he shows October. up in October of '99. Yeah. Okay, so he shows up in October, and he's he's already flamed out by January. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Holy smokes! Now, eventually, they get him back, as you know, but people are just not happy with the direction, and and Russo came in. And you know, this better than anybody. It wasn't the best working environment. It's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not like he inherited the golden goose. And a lot of people paint that picture, but it was a fucking mess. Let's call it what it was. Uh, it was a fucking mess before you left. And that's not necessarily pointing fingers anywhere. Just saying, Hey man, this merger thing and who's boss and who's on first and uh, whatever the result is when, when they think, man, Kevin Sullivan might be in charge of my career. And by the way, there's history with him and Benoit. Everybody listening to this knows that ultimately the guys leave, they make the jump and everyone, but Shane Douglas leaves, uh, which is unfortunate. And Shane's feelings were heard about that. I think, and he shows up here in the company in the WWF though. The point being January of 2000, he doesn't leave until April of 2019. So he's there more than 19 years. While he's with the company, he showed some comedy skills and he was always the great wrestler, but he never really got to do much as part of the, the radicals. And everyone talked about, man, if I could just leave WCW, I'd be presented better in the WWE. That wasn't always the case. We know that they pushed to the moon, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. And I think even Bruce has said he thought the money in that group was going to be Perry Saturn. Ultimately, Perry Saturn and, and Dean Malenko didn't exactly become big time wrestling stars with the company, but Dean Malenko made a living in the professional wrestling business with world wrestling entertainment for 19 years in a row. That is to be applauded to be at any employer for 19 years is incredible. Especially that one in in the wrestling business as an agent or a producer driving hundreds of miles a night and dealing with the chaos of working for Vince McMahon, producing television multiple times a week to do that for 19 years. My man deserves a fucking medal. I'm telling you, and I'm not, I have nothing but respect for Vince McMahon of course, and, and my time working with him. Um, but there have been times when I've been, in that gorilla position, either sitting next to him, to Vince for a brief period of time, or just in general, either, either as a talent getting ready to go out when I first got there or working you know, as an executive. But when you're in that gorilla position 
and there's a match going on in the ring. The agent is a, is in gorilla. And if something goes wrong in that ring, no matter what it is, the agent is, and if it goes wrong, the agent is the first one in the line of fire. And I've seen some fire. (laughs) I've seen some shots. Let's put it that way. And to walk into that gorilla position, probably multiple times a night, knowing (laughs) that you put that match together and if it goes wrong, you're the first one to catch a bullet. Oh man. That's got to be some fucking nerve wracking shit. And to go through that nerve wracking shit for 19 years, Mm. metal, hell with a metal. He's a statue. Yes. Like right out in front of WWE headquarters, there should be the Malenko statue. Put it right next to the Andre, the giant and, Undertaker or Ric Flair or whatever other statues they're putting up. I give me a Dean Malenko agent statue. Cause that's the one that should be there in the lobby. Hey, I, I want to ask because you know, Dean better than any of us ever will like the real life Dean Malenko. And I'm curious because what we know is, you know, he's not a guy who does shoot interviews or has written a book and We'll see a little interviews here and there. We saw him at Starcast, which is available now over at adfreeshows.com. He sat down with Tony Schiavone and told stories for, I don't know, like an hour and a half. It was phenomenal. Is there something you can share with us? Any Dean stories that might surprise some of our listeners that maybe they didn't know about him? I really can't. And I don't know that I know Dean all that well. I know him professionally very well. Right. But I've never gone out and know broken bread with him you know we've we've never really had much of a discussion away from a professional environment so i and I, you know i never hung with him um and that's another thing another thing that i admire about dean anybody in the entertainment business in any any form of entertainment to be in it as long as dean has been because he still is yeah and to not get caught up in the luck and the crap of it all. And, and to have the level of respect that Dean does obviously from his peers. Um, a lot of that just has to do with the fact that he, he just, he kept his head down. Yeah. You know, he didn't, I never saw, I'm sure I saw Dean out like, you know, the nitro, the, the nitro replace were kind of a big damn deal for everybody you know, on the roster, in the company, in production, you know, when we'd go to a town and we'd, we'd, we'd wrestle and then we'd get back and we produce the show and then we'd get back and we were literally able to get to the hotel and get down to the hotel bar and watch the replay on television of the show we just did. That's fucking awesome. And it was so much fun, Conrad. I wish I could, wish I could relive some of that because that was really, that was an amazing, almost magical time while it was all exploding and growing and the vibe amongst everybody was so positive. I'm sure I saw Dean occasionally in those environments, but not much, man. I never saw him out partying. He was never, you know, hanging at the bar. So I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have any Dean stories. The only Dean story I have is a story of working with a guy for quite a long time and, and walking away, uh, Believing that, you know, he was one of the true good guys, you know, and when it came to integrity and being a pro, he was one of the best. 
That's my story about Dean Malenko. I wish I had a time machine and I could go back in time, show up at one of those bars, those hotel bars and see all you guys watching the nitro replay and bailey up to the bar next to you and say, I'm gonna bust your balls about that in 20 years. <laughs> you wait, motherfucker. One of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna be all over you. I'm gonna invite you to my house and poke I'm, and poke. I'm gonna have my poke, friends poke. come over, and I'm gonna just fucking keep punching you until you fall down. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic for one of us. It'll be great. Uh, so Dean joined AEW as we know as a senior producer just one month after leaving WWE in May of 2019. Uh, and it was revealed that he's suffering from Parkinson's disease and had been suffering for a couple of years. But by the way, I just want to give everybody a heads up still with AEW to this day, still doing his thing. And, um, it's just a, a phenomenal story about making a living in the wrestling business, not take being, uh, and what's great is it doesn't feel as if he took it too seriously. He took his job very seriously, put on some of the best matches of all time. But the quote about the PWI 500, I don't think I'll ever forget. Like he, he never lost sight of the fact that, Hey man, this is my job and I want to be the best at my job, but who was the best wrestler in the world? Well, pay me some more money. Uh, that, <laughs> that to me is like, that brings it down to center. Okay. Yeah. I'm a great wrestler. I'd like a little more money, please. Thank you. Well, like I said, I, I, I would not have expected that from Dean, but um, he is that guy and I don't think anybody's ever done their job better. And I think it no. speaks volumes to his 19 years in WWE and all the years he spent in the business before that. And the fact that he's in AEW right now, I just, the, number one, AEW is, is lucky to have him. Yes. And I would hope, I would really hope that some of the younger talents and even some of the talent that think they know all there is to know, just pull Dean aside, just ask for some of his time. Because he is an amazing resource. He has seen it all. He's done it all. And he's, he's just, he's a professional's professional. I got to tell you, I used to think I knew it all. And, and then I learned about Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics is the pre-alcohol probiotic. It's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. Listen up. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Now here's how it works. When you drink. Alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. So just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. This has been something that Eric and I have believed in, and we've been using for a long time now. And I have to admit, before I learned about this, I just assumed the only cure was to get up and chug a bunch of water. Turns out that is not the case. You need science to break this byproduct down. And Zbiotics is the only one I know that does this. Here's how it works. Before you start drinking, you drink a bottle of Zbiotics before any alcohol, and you'll be amazed at how good you feel the next day. Now, this is especially important. Not just as we say, well, I'm getting a little older. No, man, we got more responsibilities. Once upon a time, we could just sort of piss off the next day. That is not the case anymore. You're expected to be at your best and be on top of your game and be at work first thing in the morning. I know I am. Zbiotics has been a game changer for me. I think you're going to love it. Eric believes in it. Eric travels with it. You will too. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com forward slash 83 weeks. 
to get 15% off your first order. When you use 83 weeks at checkout, Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. And I got to remind you Halloween's around the corner. It's tailgating season. If you're going to be traveling for sports, maybe fall break for the kids. Cassio and I went to check out some MLW tapings a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. We had a few cocktails, but before we started drinking, we made sure we had Zbiotics. We had to go to work the next day. Remember head to Zbiotics.com slash 83 weeks. Use the code 83 weeks at checkout, save 15% off. We want to thank Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and us being grown ass men who make adult decisions, right? Eric. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do no kidding aside. I keep a travel pack in my bags. So I don't forget to pack it so when you're, tra- when I'm traveling, that's especially when I need to be on my game. Cause I only travel for business or occasionally once, once or twice a year for pleasure. But yeah, if I'm on the road, Zbotics coming with me, you're going to love it. Check it out. And Hey, let's check out some questions. Adam Leeson wants to know, was Dean the most underrated wrestler Eric ever came across? And what do you think Dean's most underrated match is that was never spoken about as much as others? You know, it's, it's, it, that's a great question. And I think Dean in many respects is underrated, but I think a lot of wrestling fans recognize, especially now looking back just how great he was. Yes. Um, but I, I do think he perhaps one of the more underrated. And I guess I feel that way again, because of the, because of the respect, respect I have for him professionally and the way he conducted himself. It puts them on a whole nother level, in my opinion. And wrestling fans may not see that. They didn't experience that part of it. Maybe I'm a homer uh, because we're, we're friends with a lot of these folks, but it feels like a lot of times when I think of, you know, the most underrated wrestlers, I oftentimes think of Arn Anderson, Bobby uh, Eaton. I mean, guys like that in that era, criminally underrated. And I think Dean Malenko could probably fit into that same category. And you know, another guy, I think, and I think I, and I knowing Dean a little bit, I think he'd be proud to be in that category. I yeah. think Dean would be proud to be compared to Arn Anderson and, and especially Bobby Eaton. Uh, here's one from David pick. I'm not sure Malenko style translated well to a mass audience, despite possibly being the best technical wrestler outside of Japan of his era. Do you agree with me when I say he would have been a bigger star in 2022 than he was when he broke through? Um, I think I probably would lean into that because I think the audience, the mass audience, general audience, if you will, um, have as a result of the cruiserweight division and the impact of guys like Ray and Dean and Eddie and so forth have learned to appreciate and respect the smaller, faster pace, more believable styles. And I think he probably would have been a bigger star if he would have been out there today as opposed to in the mid nineties. So no, I wouldn't disagree with that. Caleb wants to know, did you ever think about making Dean your world champion? I ask because I know you always spoke so highly of him. I mean, listen, as much as you liked him, you probably didn't think he was as quote unquote box office as Hogan or staying, right? No, no, I didn't, but not everybody that's important on a show has yes. to be. Yes. Correct. Should be. You know, that's so, something. No, I, no, I didn't, I didn't think of him in that regard, but I, I it doesn't mean I didn't hold him in high regard. I, I want to ask this because it's become a topic recently. Again, um, a few years ago, we've heard DDP tell a story about 
Dusty Rhodes, giving him a bit of a pep talk. Hey, if you don't think you can be the world champion, why the hell are you in the damn business? And we've heard in recent years, uh, Bruce Pritchard sort of parrot that. Hey, if you don't want to be the top guy, why are you even in it? But a guy like Road Dog would say, I never thought I would be world champion. I didn't care if I was. It was a great way to, you know, see the world, make a great living, have some fun, entertain the people. It wasn't about being world champion to me. And I, I wonder where you land on that because obviously you weren't an in ring competitor. But you put together quite a few shows and you understood not every match is going to be for the world title. There might be one world title match tonight, but there's probably eight others that aren't. And it's okay to be one of those guys and get paid to travel the world and have some fun and tell some stories and entertain the masses. Where do you land on that? Does that make sense that, Hey, if you can't try, if you're not trying to be the top guy, get out, why are you here? Or do you go the other way? No, I don't agree with that at all. And I don't want to go the other way on it, but I look, if I was trying to light a fire under somebody. That was my job. Right. Or for somebody that's really close to me and my job is to try to pull their head out of their ass and, and light a fire out of them, uh, light a fire underneath them. I might say something similar. Yeah. I understand the motivational logic behind saying something like that. But if I was an agent to the stars, if there was such a thing, I'd be having a different conversation. I'd be talking about guys like Dolph Ziggler yeah. and Dean Malenko and others who have made a fortune more than they probably could have made doing anything else in their lives, maybe in three lifetimes by being a great solid part of the team and a co-star. Not everybody in a movie is a star of a movie. There are a lot of character actors out there that have, and actresses who have made a fortune and have made a lifetime uh, a, a great living for a lifetime. And you may not even know their name or recognize them. So no, I, I don't believe that professionally. I don't believe that, but I, I individually, I understand why somebody would try to use that type of logic to get somebody fired up. It always tickles me when someone uses Dolph Ziggler. And I know you and I both hold Dolph in really high regard. Uh, and I think Dolph is going to be and boy, I don't mean to piss anybody off when I say this. He'll be a bigger star outside of WWE than he is inside WWE. The dude's funny. He's well-spoken. He's going to be a TV show host. He's going to have, he's going to be in so many Hollywood projects. It's crazy. He looks like a star. He carries himself like a star. By the way, he's also a legit badass who is an incredible amateur wrestler who could tie your ass up in knots. And he's well-spoken. You can put him on a comedy show. You can put him on a panel. He's going to be a big, big star, even bigger than what WWE has presented him as. But I, I see sometimes fans say, Oh, well, you don't want to have a Dolph Ziggler career, but buddy, buddy, I do. <laughs> you're not paying attention. That dude's been on the main roster, getting main roster money for nearly two decades. We're talking yeah. 18 years <laughs> of continual WWE income. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but the pay scale didn't go down in those 18 years. It went up and up and up and up. And guess what? The dates became fewer and fewer and fewer. He's got life figured out. So. Anybody saying, oh, Dolph, this Dolph, that mm. uh, Dolph has it figured out my friend. And by the way, he set himself up to be a much bigger star on the outside of WWE. In my opinion, I'm not like boys with Dolph or anything. I'm just saying if I'm looking for a good ambassador for WWE, I can put Dolph on any television show, any radio show. He's going to check every box for me. And that means the, the dude's going to be able to do a lot of stuff post WWE, much like a Miz, right? Same, same. Same thing, man. He, I mean, I, I think 
Dolph Ziggler and, and the Miz, man, they're like the Ray Dalios of the wrestling business. They figured the business part out as talent. Yeah. G- g- give me half of that career. Yeah. And, and, and you could probably live two lifetimes with it. So, yeah. Uh, Josh Cox, um, says, I feel like if Dean was bigger and had Mike skills, he would have been a multi-time heavyweight champion. Uh, I, listen, I, I feel like we saw a lot of comments like this and it even feels weird to even say it out loud, but a guy can't control how much Mike time he gets and he can't control how tall he is or his matches were fantastic. He was continually employed for decades and he referred to the title as a prop guys. He was making a great living. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of talent, I hope a lot of talent who were as as special as Dean Malenko, don't look back and feel as if, well, my career was a failure because I wasn't a heavyweight champion. I, I, I just, I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. I don't believe that. No, no. And I, I can't relate to it at all. And by the way, Dean had great mic skills. Yes. I just didn't give him the mic that much. Right. But when we did, he over delivered. Yes. It wasn't for lack of skill. Trust me. It was believable too. When he spoke, yeah. you believed, Hey, he's not kidding around. He had an Arn Anderson like quality about him. Yeah. Where very you, much so. The old horseman promos flair would come out here and say ridiculous things. Tully would say some ridiculous things. And then Arn would bring it on home. Of, I'm going to kick your ass. And, yep. and that's what Dean Malenko did. Uh, Ryan Connolly wants to know what was Dean's relationship with the main event talent besides Ric Flair? What level of respect did he have with the likes of Hogan, Nash, Savage, and others? Tons. Oh, good. Tons. Just because of the way he he conducted business. I I don't know anybody that ever said anything about Dean that wasn't respectful and positive. I've never met the person. It's just, he had, he had everybody's respect. Here's one from uh, Christopher J. Smith. He wants to know: Has Eric Bischoff seen of the fa- seen any of the famous Malenko Eddie Guerrero ECW matches prior to signing Dean? And if not, has he seen any since? No, and no. That's your homework. You got to go watch some. I will. You're going to love. I, I I will. I owe it to both of them to 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 go back and watch it, and myself. Next week, we're going to be watching a classic Nitro from 1997. It said the Ice Palace in Tampa will continue our look back to 25 years ago as we're on the bill for Halloween Havoc 1997. The Outsiders have to defend their tag team titles against a mystery team or they'll be stripped of them, even though Kevin Nash is injured and Six has to take his spot. Eddie Guerrero is going to be defending his cruiserweight strap against Psychosis. Mike Tanay is going to take a look at the masks in prep for the title versus mask match at Halloween havoc with Eddie and Ray Roddy Piper has the WCW title belt. Even if he didn't win it, he has possession of it. Uh, Steven Regal is going to take on Steve McMichael. Jeff Jarrett is officially out of WCW. He's going back over to the WWE. Eugene Nagata is in town to take on Chris Jericho. And this is the first night of Goldberg's classic, uh, music against Scotty Riggs. We also have uh, Dean Malenko taking on Ray Mysterio. Scott Norton taking on Ray trailer and sting is going to attack Roddy Piper, but is it really sting? We're going to watch this next week and have a blast revisiting nitro from 1997. I can't get enough of this era of nitro. It's so fun to go back and watch it with you. We'll do it again next week. And, uh, we talked about Tampa at the top of the show and I'll be damned next week. Nitro's in Tampa, like everything else, (laughs) the center of the wrestling universe. 
we've got a lot of really fun projects we're working on behind the scenes, uh, that, that I think you're going to get a, a kick out of, including one really, really big name that Eric is trying to help us with. No, it's not who you think it is, but I think it'll be more fun, uh, than maybe what you imagine. Uh, we're also going to be taking a look at Raven. Uh, we've got Scott Hall and WCW part two, uh, Kevin Sullivan is on tap. We're going to actually check out some Halloween havoc 1999, which is going to be one of the first pay-per-views that happened without Eric Bischoff in a long, long time. And then as we roll towards November, we might actually have you sit down and take a look at, uh, survivor series, 1997, the Montreal screw job. I don't know that you ever saw that show start to finish. This is attitude era Vince McMahon. I thought it might be fun to go back and revisit such an iconic moment that you weren't a part of and just get your opinion of, uh, we'll also take a look at the nitro the very next night where we saw the announcement that Bret Hart is coming over. What an interesting time November is going to be, but then we're going to, we're going to do something different. We're going to have a special guest in the month of November. I don't want to spoil who it is but it's somebody you've been working with on a big project for a long time. And they're going to join us here on the program. I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it, man. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned, uh, for October and November here on 83 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fall. Absolutely. But it all starts next week. Don't forget you get these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. Tons of bonus content as well. You can pick Eric's brain, watch old classic stuff, hear him talk about the business of the wrestling business and so much more over at adfreeshows.com. And if you'd like to advertise on our program, that's simple. Uh, check it out. Advertise with Conrad.com. And, uh, we'll be back next week right here. Talking all things nitro on 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.